0: All right. Well, welcome back, Dr. Carlson. Um, Thank you for coming back down today. Um, Today we are with uh, his new veterinarian, uh, Dr. Antonia Trebuzo. Pronounce that. Yeah, got that right. All right, sweet. (laughs) Um, So she has a really interesting story as far as her kind of um, uh, her pathway to to Lifetime Pet Wellness Center. Um, So we're going to talk about that. maybe some of her background at Ohio State as far as nutrition. And then um, she's also really involved with a rescue group here in Columbus that we're going to discuss as well. Tell us about yourself.
1: (laughs) So I'm Antonia. I grew up in Cleveland originally, and like most kids who go to vet school, always wanted to be a vet. Um, I wanted to do something that mattered to be both people and animals. It was something that was really important to me from like three years old on. Um, And eventually grew up to do that. Went to Ohio State for undergraduate, studied zoology, wanted to do wildlife medicine, zoological medicine. Um, So I did a lot of wildlife rehab um, until my cat became ill. And she was our family cat that never went to the vet, of course. So she came down to Ohio. Um, Columbus and Ohio State with me um, while I was in college and got her diagnosed with diabetes and everything. And she kind of really spurred my interest in small animal (laughs) medicine and nutrition. And at the time, I wasn't working at Lifetime yet. I was working in another local clinic, wanting to get more experience in the veterinary side of the animal field. I had worked as a kennel technician for years, um, but they never really had an opening available for me to expand my knowledge base and skills. So I had started looking for another job and I met one of the technicians I was working at Lifetime at the Wildlife Center. And she was oh, nice. telling me about Lifetime and how I should go there. I should do this. Was it the
0: Dublin wild, Wildlife yeah, Center? Yeah, Ohio Wildlife oh, okay. Center. Mm-hmm. You know, they we caught a squirrel one time and, <laughs> and we didn't catch it, okay. this yeah. so a baby squirrel came down a tree and there's no siblings, no mom around. And I called them and they're like, do you have any goat milk? And I was like, <laughs> Yeah, I have like two chris or something. Anyways, go on.
1: Yeah, baby squirrels oh. and opossums are my favorite. They have a oh, yeah. They're a special place they're in my like heart. They're the cutest animals Yes, yeah. yes. Maybe not
0: opossums. Though. Opossums are...
1: They're precious when they're babies. Yeah. They have adorable little grabby hands, and they'll oh, hold your pinky, yeah. and it's very
0: cute. How about raccoons?
1: I love raccoons, but I could not work with them because I wasn't rabies vaccinated at the time. Oh, okay. Now yeah. I am, and it's a dream to revisit that if I ever yeah. get back into wildlife. Creepy free. <laughs> little hands. <Yeah. laughs> yes. They also have creepy hands. Yes, they do. In a cute way. Uh, no. no. <laughs> not, yeah. not if you have debatable. chickens, let me tell you. Very true. Yeah.
0: Anyways.
1: So uh, this technician had told me to go to Lifetime, apply for a job, and okay. that I would not regret it. So I went there, and I walked in. I was like, this is a spa or a vet clinic. I am confused because... <laughs> There was essential oils and calming music and everyone yeah. was so pleasant and right. I immediately just was drawn to it and wanted to work there. Cool. Um, started working there as an assistant and they really had a very supportive workplace as far as I was still figuring out what I wanted to do. I knew I was interested in going to vet school but it was more wildlife and yeah. zoological medicine at the time. And um, around the same time, I had started rescuing kittens on the side, just okay. founding these really skinny, sick kittens and fixing them up and finding them homes. Yeah. And that was kind of a minor thing at the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think we, you and I have
0: this, we talked at about the time. that for a while, right? Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, so. Like, One of the times yeah. I've come in, just yeah. how
1: that all started. Yeah. And it was like life in the universe <laughs> just started pushing me towards small animal medicine, whether okay. it was my new job that I really enjoyed, it was my cat that really had intensive medical needs. yeah. And then finding these crusty kittens outside that needed <laughs> my help, kittens. they were yeah. so crusty. Yeah. Um, and so it all just kind of came together in a perfect storm that changed my whole career goals and what I wanted to do. So those three things just kind of synthesized what became known as my future kind of projection. Okay. Um, and at Lifetime, <laughs> nutrition and integrative medicine was a really big component of their business and their practice of medicine and that became really important with my cat in managing her diabetes and i found this really cool intersection between nutrition because she had allergies and came to raw feeding and that being really important for her in managing her conditions being interested in the medical side of it with insulin and managing sure. her blood work and things and then also rescuing cats
0: were you able to um this is a little off topic but mm-hmm. were you able to just transition her like that mm-hmm. like she she's like oh great this is she,
1: awesome yeah so she
0: okay. usually cats aren't like that <laughs> no she, she was the weirdest like, you know. cat and yeah. she was
1: so cranky but she did really well with all this change Dang. Brought her to Columbus, yeah, into That's my awesome. household with like five other roommates in college. Wow,
0: so change your environment, changed Yeah, your everything,
1: diet. everything. Jeez. And we were actually able to manage her allergies and um, put her in diabetic remission, all with raw diet and good sound medicine, which yeah. was really, really very cool. nice. Yeah, That's very great. nice. And that really stimulated my interest in it and how all of these things work together rather than being so polar opposites, which is what we typically think of is yeah. you have the people who are more integrative and the people who are more traditional. Yeah. and you think that those can never intermix. right. But I found with all of these things, my job at lifetime, my cat that I had, and then the rescue, that it was all very synergistic. and it was yeah. really easy to use them all together to get really good results. And then I continued on to going to vet school at Ohio yeah. State, um, developing my rescue and becoming a nonprofit. And then eventually working as a vet now at lifetime. And that's been a really cool process to kind of grow into a business like that yeah. and be able to um really work on what I found satisfying and fulfilling to do with my life. And they've been really great at every step of the way with like, Oh yeah, that sounds good. Let's do that. Or yeah. sure, you can do that here.
0: It sounds about right. Mm-hmm. That's what I would imagine it be in there. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> That's a really cool story. I mean, you know, because I, I think it, um, it is a, I don't know, I guess a good marker of success for Lifetime, just that you can like have someone as a vet tech come in and then be really like passionate and, and want to even go off and, and go to vet school and do that and then come back and work at the same clinic, you know, it builds Lifetime well, I think. I agree. Yeah. We try to work on culture, but
2: I mean, it's, it's challenging whenever you get... all those people together Mm -hmm. yeah you know but we try to focus on that
0: yeah that's cool that's important yeah um okay so you went to so you went to high state vet school Mm -hmm. um i have to ask what like as far as nutrition what was their kind of what's their philosophy now i i didn't go to vet school so i don't know but you know you you read a lot of things about you know what they're doing as far as nutrition in vet school and how there's not a lot of emphasis on it and the (laughs) emphasis is you know more on processed food than Mm-hmm. You know, raw food is gonna kill your pets or whatever, yeah. um, and so I'm just kind of like interested what's what's going on. You always I always hope that there's you know with when you see the market with especially like the whole food or the raw food market and the, the pet food realm, it's just growing like bigger you know more so than any other area of the market. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, are they are they adapting yet or are they still just kind of digging their boots in and staying? stay in the course.
1: I think overall at Ohio State, there's been a big change towards what's the best way to support their students and their learning. And right now there's a big overhaul of the curriculum. You know, there's new staff, there's new energy. I think with nutrition, it's something that still needs work, but there's shown some improvement and some more open-mindedness in some areas. It's always interesting because you go into vet school and I always say there's your students who are regurgitators and ones that are free thinkers. Yeah. <laughs> there's the ones that once they hear a really cool lecture, they're like, I'm yeah. sold. That's how I'm going to practice medicine and that's how I'm going to do it without combining it with their real-world experience and opinions. And you yeah. get a lot of that with new graduates where they see, you know, this is what I was taught and this is what I'm going to regurgitate and this is what I believe. Yeah. But a lot of times it's not based in... Their own anecdotal experiences, which are important, is in addition to what's based in science and clinical research.
0: So, with you, you kind of see that with like uh, this reminds me of mm-hmm. like Dr. like Karen Becker or Dr. Judy Morgan. Like they, I think they went into vet school with already an understanding of nutrition, and they've been feeding their animals. I think Dr. Karen Becker was kind of like yeah, like like big in rescuing. I think they lived in like Illinois or somewhere, mm-hmm. like kind of out there though, but like she had like a, she would rescue animals and rehabilitate them and stuff like that as a kid. And that's when she learned how important like, you know, ancestral their di- ancestral diet was and whole foods and things like that. So she went into vet school with that kind of mindset, which is kind of like what you did. Yeah, Like you've had, you had some understanding of that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think helps. It does yeah. because
1: then you're like thinking, okay, what if you could do this alternatively? Well, how would yeah. this impact it instead? Right. And with nutrition, they've got a great professor who, she loves nutrition, she's yeah. board certified in nutrition, yeah. and she's such a knowledge base of how to use nutrition in addition to medicine to treat things and to help patients.
0: Girls Can Raw is an Ohio business started by a girl with an uncontrollable passion for pets and all things natural. By combining this passion with extensive research, they begin making all natural carnivore focused treats and chews that both pets and their owners will go nuts for. Check them out at girlsgonerawpet.com.
3: Your dog or cat is a member of your family. You want the very best for each and every member of your family, and that extends right down to the food that they eat.
0: For over 30 years, Northwest Naturals has been manufacturing the highest quality raw frozen pet foods in Portland, Oregon. For you, the pet owner, Northwest Naturals comes in convenient packaging, easy to open, easy to store, and easy to thaw and serve to your pets.
3: Quality ingredients, food safety, and the highest standards for manufacturing practices are what make Northwest Naturals the best complete and balanced raw food for your pet. Find out more in our podcast show notes. And I think we need to open the realm of possibilities more to that.
1: I saw a lot of good base in, you know, if the owners will not feed a prescription diet or a commercial diet, but prefer a homemade diet, we can work with that. I think there are still misunderstandings and just kind of uncertainty about raw diets and other options past that homemade point, (laughs) Um, which I think is the right direction that they're including homemade. And they do a lot of learning and teaching as far as like what foods are made out of base nutrients. And that is very important to understand, but it doesn't get translated into, well, how do we meet our clients and their own desires and needs where they are, rather than just saying, well, these are the options. This is what I was taught in school. So I think if people are more open-minded, it would be more beneficial. Sure. Um, but it kind of stops at like that homemade diet realm where yeah. these things are okay. But, you know, once you get into raw feeding, it's, well, we got to wear gloves with these patients and be very careful. And there is a zoonotic risk and, and they're very still intensive on that, which, yeah, Sure, there could I mean, be a risk, but there could be.
0: But you know, you look at the recalls from some dry pet food. ninety-eight percent of recalls the are so. from dry pet food. First salmon, serious I'm like, if you're, I think, yeah, of course, you should wash your hands when you're feeding raw food. But you're, I always say this, you're not exempt from washing your hands when you're feeding dry food yes. as well. I mean, you're still, I mean, carrying the same risk, if not more. So, um, yeah. Well, I'm glad there's progress. Mm-hmm.
2: You know, it sounds like there's still a uh, lot the knowledge is still driven by the industry. It and is. I wonder,
0: I wonder, yeah. And I wonder, like I know the homemade diets, but then like the commercially prepared diets. You know, these companies are—they're so worried about getting shut down by the FDA um, or Department of Ag um, that they take all these like protocols. Like they do third-party testing on all their batches before they release. They, you know, you have companies like Steve's or Northwest Naturals that do the HPP process. So it's like 14,000 PSI of cold water pressure um, to disable pathogens. Uh, you have answers that ferments it for, as a, as a kill step. Um, so you see these, these raw commercially prepared raw pet food companies like doing all these things to ensure there's no like pathogens in the food. Now, some I, of them,
2: some of them using the uh, phages now, the viruses. I don't know, never heard it's this. Dar Darwin's. Oh, okay. okay. Um, Couple others where they have viruses that are specific to the parasites, yeah, or, and bacteria,
0: and they're inoculating it with it. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then the, the other side of it, like the dry pet food companies, like I don't, I've never heard of any of them doing that. Any of these batch testing or you know anything that fer, obviously they're not fermenting or anything like that. So it's just it's weird that they would stop at homemade and not even look at what the commercial. Companies are doing. Yeah, it's the you, good ones. You
2: know yeah. who else has to go through that? Is standard process. Oh, really? I mean, the uh, from what I understand, they're the oldest supplement company in the country. Yeah. Um, because they're being using like
0: freeze dried, like beef, bag like bovine and, liver and stuff like that. So yeah, to, because
2: they're they're so successful. Um, they they are constantly going through that that testing. I don't know if it's third party, but they have a very prolific. Um, you know microbiology testing and and things like that, uh, toxin testing. Yeah, uh, before they can include that stuff into their batches. But the the you always hear you don't hear from from the company from Standard Process, but you hear it from everybody who uses a lot of their products or su- is surrounded by Standard Process. That the FDA is constantly in there and would do nothing more would be 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 very happy just to be able to shut them down yeah
0: well that's we get a lot of people ask like if we're ever gonna get bones and co which is out of austin and um some other raw pet food brands if we'll get them here but i can't even i can't even order them in the ohio valley because i guess the department Mm -hmm. of ag in this area is really strict and they don't want to take the risk really and there's been companies that have been you know obviously with like what was that company called radcat that was specifically targeted yeah, 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 by yeah. by the FTA and and the guy left the sample of the raw food out on the seat in the middle of July for like half a day. And then then they had it tested for I think Salmonella or something like that. But then and then Radcat actually never got a sample. They're supposed to send like a one part sample to the company as well. They never did that. So there's a lot of things that was iffy about that whole situation. So I think it's it scared a lot of people. Yeah. Um <laughs> Everybody
2: that reminds me of my son. He went to he went to went to Bibi bop Yeah, bought his bought his dinner. Yeah, left it in his car overnight. Yeah, this is just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, all through the day, uh huh. Twenty almost twenty four hours. He was so insistent that since he paid for that meal, <laughs> he was going to eat it. So I took pictures of him. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he next morning he wasn't feeling
0: well. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. But you hear grow to that huh yeah <laughs> i mean it's so, not like so it's
2: gonna happen anything you know <laughs>
0: yeah you set yeah, out everything that doesn't have preservatives in the middle of the in it. summer yeah you know so it's, it's ridiculous um anyways so i can't get some companies here because of that yeah. and, and the reputation in columbus or i guess ohio to want to shut down some of these companies but
1: it's just frustrating because you want to have open discussions rather than be met with such like this yeah. is a brick wall and you can't pass it. And I would purposefully in my assignments, we had one where we were supposed to have an analysis of our pet's diet and create a diet plan. Yeah. And I specifically did it for my <laughs> my 15-year-old dog with chronic kidney disease that I chose to be raw fed instead of do a prescription diet. And I mm-hmm. specifically did his diet management. And the professor gave good feedback, but it just wasn't, you know... It wasn't a discussion about why it was good for him. She was just like, "Yeah, good job, okay." And it was kind of, I did it to be more intentional. Yeah, and be again, like, hmm. it's like it's not what I want
0: to see, but it's it's more than this I expected. is adequate. So here yeah. you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just weird to me. Uh, I, I've mentioned this before in the podcast, and I say it all the time. But um, Dr. Becker made a really good point one time. She said, "You know, my it's sad to me that my peers, like other veterinarians." Um, are like the last physicians on earth to recommend whole food over processed food. And to me, it's like, it's so simple. Like, that's it, you know? So it's it's surprising that they wouldn't even. And, and I, it's, you know, sometimes cost and time and all these things come into the picture when we're feeding our pets, and I, I totally understand that. And we have a lot of customers that do feed, like, some dry food and some raw food. Um, or even some people that just do kibble with some goat milk on top, which is still a huge win, you know? Um, but yeah, why there wouldn't be? I don't know why that's so. I don't know why it's so controversial. I guess you know. I yeah. never thought I would be, because we have a lot of vets that like, um, like know me by name. I've never met before. Mm-hmm. That like will will lecture my my customers. Yeah, fortunately, my customers are very educated. Yeah, <laughs> stuff so they can. Yeah. Can, savvy. they can and you have back. to be because <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, you want to advocate for what you believe is good for some animals too. Because right. you don't want to be shut down by that brick wall. You want to try to overcome that at some yeah. point and open more of a discussion.
0: Yeah. yeah, and even just to add, like, right? It's it's weird to me that like even some some of my customers, one one in particular, is thinking about. She was all she was trying to do was just add more whole food to her pet's diet, um, and it was actually just like gently cooked food. And the vet just wanted them to just wanted this this dog to be on just this one kibble, and that's it, nothing else. I'm like, that's, you know, like even koala, I think I've said this on this podcast before, but like even koala bears, like they don't eat just eucalyptus. Like they eat other things too. You know, for like a species that evolved specifically on one island in the middle of nowhere, you know what I mean? They they still get a diverse diet. You know, it's like, every, like everything needs diversity in their, in their diet. Right, right. So it's weird to me that they wouldn't even budge a little bit like yeah maybe like some fresh food might be good you know
2: I mean even even with raw food I still like people to vary the protein or the brand oh yeah periodically I, just it's, to, it's
0: hard because when I when you transition him to like a raw food and they start I'm like oh my gosh my dog's doing he stopped itching his allergies are better and all this stuff's you know his bad breath went away. he's he's at a good way all this stuff they don't want to change it they want to <laughs> stick to that <laughs> yeah, one protein yeah. now you have to change that, what that one that one brand yeah, and I'm, yeah. I always tell people don't be married to one Protein or one brand, like get it. You see, you know, don't be afraid to play around with it and see how much diversity you can get into their diet. Um, you know, because my dog's like I, every time I come home, I bring something else different. You know, different brand, different protein. Yeah. And I know, I know some proteins that they don't mesh with very well, and I won't, you know, we'll stay away from that one. But I always try to get at least three in rotation with with my customers.
2: We look forward to seeing you at Lifetime Pet Wellness Center. We have a friendly, professional team and offer conventional as well as integrative medical options like acupuncture, chiropractics, nutritional medicine, stem cell therapy, and PRP, and more. Visit us at lifetimepetwellness.com, Instagram, and Facebook to learn more about us.
3: Stop guessing what's being added to your pet's food. Feed your pet food made from the freshest and healthiest ingredients found in Steve's Real Food.
0: Every Steve's formula is pH balanced and uses only 100% natural, high-quality USDA-inspected free-range meats and unprocessed whole and functional foods. Steve doesn't contain any synthetic supplements or ingredients that can't be identified on the ingredient label. Plus, it's loaded with beneficial bacteria from goat milk.
3: We know that what you choose to feed your pet is just as important as what you choose to feed yourself, which is why Steve's Real Food is formulated for optimal health that exceeds AFCO minimums.
0: Steve's is not only great for your pet, but great for the environment. Your pet's food is manufactured by using hydroelectric power and sold to you in a fully recyclable package.
3: Be sure to take advantage of the frequent buyer club. Buy 12 bags of Steve's Real Food. Get one free.
0: See how much better your pet will feel after just a few weeks on Steve's Real Food. Find out more in the podcast show notes.
2: And You know what amazes me too is even in the veterinary field, the veterinarians who they have a patient who is getting skin issues or some kind of chronic illness of some sort. It could be, could be allergies, could be chronic bladder infection, could be, yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, chronic ear infections or, um, GI. Yeah. Well, you know, he's starting to get reflux a lot. He's starting to, but they don't discuss changing the diet.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, he's, well, it's okay. He's been on that diet for four years. Well, you can create an intolerance. You can, you may not yeah. have true food, true, yeah. true food allergy, but uh, you know, food intolerance is so common. Well, so that's just what I, I was,
0: I was glad that they, sounds like Ohio State was at least taking, um, they're giving nutrition more yeah. credit now it seems like they're giving it more attention yeah it was
1: more of the curriculum definitely and i found it super valuable to talk about the individual components that make up a diet and why those are important and why they should be balanced or varied you could say (laughs) yeah but um, what'd they
0: say i'm so curious did you did they still use the uh small animal clinical the big blue book small animal clinical volume five
1: Oh, so my class was weird.
0: It was like it was like this big. Like my this
1: class big. was the one where they were like, You need to buy an iPad and I was oh, okay. like, What? I've always had <laughs> notebooks. I was yeah. just learning to use a laptop in like yeah. undergrad oh, first school, dang. as far as like putting my notes on it. Yeah. So when they were like, You do things on a laptop, all yeah. of the textbooks disappeared.
3: So oh, okay.
1: <laughs> so they had like links to recommended textbooks, but yeah. everything was online and digital. So yeah. people mentioned their favorite veterinary textbook. I'm like, yeah, I feel like that was mentioned in a lecture. And then yeah. I definitely <laughs> never, they never, yeah, Was it, is so it hilarious. an elective
0: or is it like a do it, all of it. Get- it is
1: a part of your core nutri- or core nutrition, core education. And then okay. I took the nutrition elective as well. Okay. The nutrition elective I felt was frustrating because I thought it was going to be more in the realm of exploring different options. And it was entirely... Clinical cases and how to mm-hmm. pick a prescription diet
0: oh, matching the, to match it. Matching the
1: Which in some aspects, you know, soup. maybe it stimulated your thoughts as far as different clinical cases and how you might not use it as a how would I alternatively treat this sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but it it wasn't what I expected. And I I yeah. found similar things with the integrative medicine elective that they had. I was excited and I wanted to take that and I ended up not because it was mainly physical therapy. And oh, okay. there was maybe a mention of acupuncture, a mention yeah. of um, chiropractic, but that's it. It huh? didn't meet my expectations for the whole wide world of possibilities there yeah. are for nutrition or integrative medicine. Right. And they used those words, but it wasn't my understanding of them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's interesting enough. I, I find a lot of vet clinics use those words too, mm-hmm. but they don't actually. They're not actually integrative.
1: Yeah. And not true. lifetime, <laughs> I say
0: <seen laughs> lifetime. But yeah. like, there's other there's yeah. other vets in this area that say they're integrative, right. and they are not integrative. Yeah. yeah, it's a way to like lure people in sometimes.
1: Right, yeah. and you um, need to fully explore all those options if you're going to use them to their fullest potential. And not like me, where I'm like, oh, I'm going to sign up for these electives. These look good, and then yeah. they were not what I was expecting.
0: Yeah.
2: Huh. Well, even when Dr. Buffington was there, he was I liked him a lot. He was the nutritionist, but. It, uh, he retired before you got there. Who's but that? I don't think I met him. He, uh, he's the one who started the indoor cat initiative.
0: Mm-hmm. Wait, this is not Dr. Is it Dr. Buzz? No,
2: no, at Ohio state. I do oh, State. Okay. okay. Yeah.
0: Sorry. Yeah. I a lifetime. I I yeah. I guess I had a nutritionist,
2: no, he, he, uh, and he's the one who found that, um, you know, a lot of those cats that have issues have smaller adrenal glands. Mm. So they, got, uh, you know, they have adrenal gland burnout. That's yeah. what they've got. So, um, but but he was still in that mode of, it's gotta be a processed food. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's so weird. Cause like, you know, if you leave like outdoor cats, um, I posted on our story the other day, cause I was at this place called Copia Farms out uh, in Johnstown. It's where, it's a long story. Mm. It's where we get our kids milk from, but um, they always have a cat. So every time I'm there, I'm usually early cause I work out on that side of town and I have to wait for them, for them to open. And um, they always have a cat there and he's always, always hunting. You know, he's just like a straight, like barn cat. And he's beautiful. He's like super healthy. And I'm you know, I think the average cat kills what, like ten to twelve animals a day. The average outdoor cat. Um I mean they're <laughs> really? like murderous psychopaths yeah. But but they're so specialized, right? And their their evolution, like they are such good hunters, you know. And um yeah, so I think about this, and I think about, like, the food, like, the processed food and how different it is. I think it was um, – someone told me this. That, like, they they cut the tail off of a mouse, and then this is uh, – that um, real came in. This is the science diet. They took the tail off the mouse and then dissected a the mouse and then tried to duplicate a diet that was similar to that. Someone told me this. And I was like, I don't – understand what the similarities are. <laughs> I mean, you might have like the same like synthetic like vitamins in there, you know, to match it, but and minerals, but like as far as moisture and carbohydrate count and bioavailability, it's way different, you know. It's not yeah. it's not at all the same. I don't know. But um
2: now here's I I've been saying this for years that they they say that the calcium phosphorus ratio of mice and you know, other rodents are the perfect ratio for a one to one for cats. So why don't yeah. why don't we make more diets? Why don't we make a diet out of <laughs> yeah mouse mice protein. and mice and rats? Oh, yeah. yeah,
0: better than insect protein is what they're trying to do. Now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but well, yeah, you know, like a chicken neck or a duck neck is like a perfect one to one balance of calcium and phosphorus. A lot of times, people <laughs> use like on their DIY diets, they do. Like in Australia, this is big. We we did a podcast. Have you ever heard of Do you know who Doctor Ian Billinghurst is? Have you ever Mm-mm. heard of him? Yeah, he wrote a couple big time books in like the raw feeding world. So he's a he's a he's an older gentleman that lives in Australia, obviously, and he um, big in a raw food world. But he wrote a couple of books. I think it was "Give a Dog a Bone," and I he he was, he was on.
2: one of the, the original. Yeah. I mean, he was an originator of. Yeah, he's like an OG. Really pushing the yeah the, the raw well, food. Well because right? it's
0: interesting in Australia they didn't the process uh pet food companies didn't make it down there to like the 90s 80s or 90s and he's been around well before that. Yeah. Really? And so he speaking of like just ana- anecdotal experience he was he in his practice wasn't having all these dogs that were you know had all the, these high cancer rates and diabetes and pancreatitis and all these things he had like healthy animals and then they started the introduction of processed pet food down there, and his and his opinion just ruined everything. And because most of the time, he said people down there weren't even doing like structured DIY diets; they were just they was, the dogs are getting fed table scraps, and still doing a lot better than they were on processed pet food. Yeah. So he wrote some books on how to like easy ways to. He's big on raw meaty bones. That's like his big. That's his big thing. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, so a lot of people use those raw meaty bones as, like, the base of their diet. I think, like, 50% of the diet. Yeah. Yeah. Which I obviously try to give to my dogs quite a bit, mostly for their teeth.
1: I've been trying to talk to clients about that recently because I've gotten a lot. It's hard. It's like every patient I see has dental disease and every patient I see is overweight and they'll be like, Oh yeah, well we've been given the greenies and it's just Ah uh, no. It's yeah. not nothing's yeah. working. And I'm like, yeah. Well, have you ever thought <laughs> yeah. about raw meaty bones yeah. or chicken feet, duck yeah. feet? Yeah. If you have a cat good you for know, you. Other things and i am yeah. blowing their minds and I'm yeah. like, try it. You'll yeah. like it.
0: <laughs> yeah, at least I guess probably harder for you. At least for me when they come into Fangs, they like they have some idea of what's happening. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But for you, it might be they don't like what Like you're supposed to feed. I thought they would like, you know, they can't eat chicken wings or they can't mm-hmm. eat chicken necks like they're going to die. You yeah. know what I mean? Because that's what they've been
1: Yeah, told. It's so. been one of my favorite things about being a grown up, as I call it, and yeah. being a vet and practicing medicine. How I want is being able to say what I think and what yeah. I feel is best for their pet to hopefully give them a better life and connection with their pet. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's been a big one is... Diets, dental, bones, and things to help with their overall health. Yeah.
0: it's a big thing. I think eighty was eighty percent of dogs in this country have periodontal disease before they're three. Yeah. So, like Mozzie, he's twelve years old. He's got perfect teeth. Yeah. And he's never <laughs> he's never been knocked out for a teeth cleaning mm-hmm. or anything. He just he gets raw meaty bones all the time. He does a lot of the. Your dogs are too small for this, but they the uh, <laughs> fermented uh, pig feet, mm. fermenters are like halved pig feet. Yeah. I swear by those because they're fermented, so they have all that healthy bacteria in there. Yeah. But then it's it's pretty hard, um, not hard like break teeth hard, but like it's pretty firm, and so it really injects that like bacteria up into their gum line, like the healthy bacteria. Mm-hmm. Um, they also do like fermented chicken feet as well, which is really cool. But yeah, when you walk into the shop, there's just like that big table of animal parts. Yes. There's <laughs> so, <it's> like, <laughs> there are so of, many options. Yeah, there's so many <laughs> options, and it. You know, I always tell people. Those are really well sourced uh, parts, but they're also like parts that would just be discarded, Mm -hmm. Um, and so, I, you know, it's, it's, it's not like we're seeking out these animals just to like for their for their necks or something like that. Yes, Um, it's just parts that would be discarded, and we're utilizing Mm -hmm. those, and really, I mean, it's so beneficial to your pets. So cats too. Cats are not exempt. Cats, yeah, cats are. We have like uh, dehydrated quails and things like that, mm-hmm. and they go crazy. Yes. Duck hearts are really popular for cats. Um, so
1: Mine love those. Yeah.
0: I mean, cats are obligate carnivores, right? So like they, the thing about that, this reminds me of the book, that so the big textbook that they mm-hmm. used to use for nutrition. They have like, the, I forget, the, the chapter on carbohydrates is like the biggest chapter in the book. And at the very end of the chapter, they say, um, I think it's like one of the last paragraphs. They say dogs and cats actually have no dietary requirement for carbohydrates. Everything just said is null and void. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Well. Um, anyways.
2: Um, well, they, you know, I saw Karen Decker, uh, yeah, Karen Becker talk about the uh, ge- genetics, yeah, some of the, the you know epigenetics and, epigenetics, genetics and stuff. Yeah. Um, and they they brought up the fact that the genes. That allow dogs to utilize carbohydrates are becoming more prominent. Mm -hmm. So it's okay. Yeah, carbohydrates are uh, carbohydrates are okay, but I think it's more a need for survival that the bodies are are adapting, and it doesn't mean it's a good thing.
0: Yeah, I think um, so. Like I think carbohydrates. It depends on a carbohydrate, right? Like I think there's good carbohydrates and bad carbohydrates. I think there is a place for it in their diet. and, and maybe at different stages of their life. In different stages of their life, uh, yeah. Um, you know, lower glycemic carbohydrates. I know, like, a lot of the companies, we have are spinach, carol, broccoli, bok choy, things that don't have, like, a lot of sugar. People are all about feeding their dogs potatoes. I don't know why. Um, but, you know, some of the better stuff. And, you know, when you look at their ancestral diet, too, that they were eating, um, whether it was berries, you know, wolves still eat, uh, you know, berries. You know, coyotes. They also eat the, the entrails. You know, the the things that mm-hmm. fermented, um, which is kind of cool, right? Because that's why Answers is big on fermenting, especially their vegetables, for that same reason. Because it's, um, like say when a wolf, this is like an extreme case, but like when a wolf takes out an elk, all those that vegetation that they're eating is fermented. It's been fermented in the gut, so it's actually way more, it's already broken down for them. It's way more bioavailable to them. Um, so I always tell people if you do feed vegetables, like, you know, if you can puree them or steam them, it's going to be way more bioavailable to them. Because yeah. it depends on the dog. I mean, I know they've done lots of studies on this and whether, you know, how much amylase they have in their, their gut. It kind of depends on the breed and the dog, but it's 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 minimal, you know. So it's good to help them out if you're going to do that.
3: No, there,
2: there used to be a book out. Boy, it was probably 30 years ago that was, it was a, a gentleman went into the history of each breed yeah. where they originated Mm-hmm. And and came up with diet recommendations based on oh, yeah, the foods for, of the region. Yeah, and it's no longer in print anymore. Yeah, and I, I used to have it saved, but that's kind of you a, know, it's a cool concept. Technology right? goes. Yeah, I, I can't find it anymore. But, well,
0: it's interesting. I mean, some dogs like uh, you know huskies typically love fish. You yeah. um, know, it's very common. They're such their huskies are really picky eaters. Um, most of them. Yeah. I have some I have a couple of customers that try to feed based on their where they're from geographically. Ancestral type. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um yeah. Anyways, I think yeah, carbohydrates are, you know, I think they can be included and in, I think there's a, a place for them in their diet, especially with like industrial farming practices and things like that, kind of depleting some of the nutrients in a food, and it's a good way to get it back in there. Um My problem is with carbohydrates is, like, when you look at, like, processed pet food, it's, you know, 40 to 60 percent of the the diet, Mm -hmm. which is entirely – I think that's too much for a human being to be eating, let alone uh, obligate carnivore like a cat or a facultative carnivore like a dog, you know. Anyway. Absolutely. yeah. Yeah.
3: Your dog or cat is a member of your family. You want the very best for each and every member of your family, and that extends right down to the food that they eat.
0: For over 30 years, Northwest Naturals has been manufacturing the highest quality raw frozen pet foods in Portland, Oregon. For you, the pet owner, Northwest Naturals comes in convenient packaging, easy to open, easy to store, and easy to thaw and serve to your pets.
3: Quality ingredients, food safety, and the highest standards for manufacturing practices are what make Northwest Naturals the best complete and balanced raw food for your pet. Find out more in our podcast show notes. At Girls Gone Raw Pet Health, our goal is to provide unique, nutrition-packed, carnivore-focused, dehydrated treats and chews that your pets will go nuts over and that you can feel confident feeding them. We hand-select only the highest quality, human-grade meats, foster relationships with small, generational family farms, and scour the market for the freshest, most unique products. So get fresh and go raw with us. Follow us on social media at Girls Gone Raw Pet Health for nutrition tips and industry news, and find local retailers and shop online at www.girlsgonerawpet.com
0: um all right so well tell us about your rescue
1: so i inadvertently started a rescue with the crusty kittens the origin story okay and it was the same week that i brought my cat jane to columbus i was just driving i think i was going to target because you know gotta go to target for everything yep and i was taking a side street because there was a train and i see this little tiny crusty kitten And I kept finding them, like week after week, just find a couple, and I worked at vet clinics, so it was fairly easy to get them the care that they need, get them healthy, and then adopt them out to the clients of that vet clinic. And I found that there was such a need for cat resources in Columbus, and it just kind of snowballed into Mm -hmm. that. So I did it unofficially, Um, I mean, ever since I started, I think the first week I started working at Lifetime, I brought Jane in, and at that same visit, I brought one of my crusty kittens in. Okay. And so they just were indoctrinated with, like, I will always have cats with me at all okay. times. Crusty, crusty kittens. Yeah. And eventually, after Jane had passed. Why
0: are they, why are they crusty?
1: They're always so sick. And they've got like <laughs> eye crusties, nose crusties. It's always upper respiratory. Okay. And they're okay. underweight and they just look frail and crusty. And crusty.
0: Okay. I it's I the that. best
1: descriptor for yeah. them. No,
0: I get it. I just, I was, I was curious as to why. <laughs> I don't see, I yes. wish I saw more stray animals. I really don't see them.
2: I'll show you some. Good I want to photos. I want to like
0: catch some. But. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
2: well, and that's why that's why you know we we've come up with you know we've talked about what surgeries we're going to do mm-hmm. at Lifetime mm-hmm. and enucleation. Eye enucleation mm-hmm. is one of those. And I because so, they
1: have damaged eyes from upper respiratory infection, so a lot oh. of kittens need their eyes removed later on once they're big enough for surgery. Which
2: yeah. surprised me. I I yeah. didn't know there's that that big a number needed it because they're mm-hmm. they're just so bad yeah i
0: didn't know that either
1: and there was just no resources for them because every shelter and rescue is overworked overrun with animals and there's just such a problem of pet homelessness
0: all i can think about right now is a cat with like a patch on and yes. i'm like i want one <laughs> <laughs> pirate cat does puss, puss in boots <laughs> wear a patch maybe the he had patch. an yeah. enucleation <laughs> yeah it all makes all, it's all coming around it's full circle this is crazy yeah but how cool would that be that would be great I'll I mean, I don't want, that for, I don't want with that for any cat. Yeah. But I'm just saying it would be cool to have a cat. You get a Puss free eye po- patch with adoption. skull mm-hmm. and crossbones on it. Yeah, yeah. Sick. <laughs> yeah.
2: Puss and boots look so cool. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's from his herpes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, maybe yes. not. <laughs>
1: yeah, <and> so, <laughs> I wouldn't have to tell the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then eventually after Jane had passed and this kept happening, I had the idea of making it a legitimate operation mm-hmm. because I had thought about switching my career path to small animal medicine and it would be really easy to integrate as being a vet providing care to these animals that need new homes. Um, And I filed for nonprofit status and got approved and had to register a name. So I thought of naming it For the Love of Jane after my cat um, because it was the same week that I started doing that and it was just that same energy of how do I make this animal's life better and how do I get it back to a great place. Um, so it could bring joy and, and love and everything to someone else's yeah. life. Um, so I named it For the Love of Jane.
0: Did you ever think about any minute crusty Kittens?
1: <laughs> For the Love of crusty Kittens. <laughs> a little less, uh, I'd say, sing song than For the Love of Jane. Yeah, it's not as as. <laughs> I don't
0: know if I'd want to adopt a cat no. or a crusty Kitten. No. Yeah, good point.
1: But yeah, it's well, been Has so been singing a
2: SpongeBob song? yeah, so <laughs> There you
1: go.
0: <laughs> what do you know about Spongebob?
2: <laughs> <laughs> what the crusty crab. Yeah.
0: You know. I don't know. It was Spongebob was after my time. Like I think it's just after my time. So I, I, you know, I see memes of like yeah. know, Spongebob. I don't really know. Oh that my kids, kids Is anything, it, It's the kids. your kids have been watching it. Yeah. Power, and so now Power Rangers. The kids don't mm-hmm. watch SpongeBob. I don't think kids are watching my kids don't watch Sp- SpongeBob. You know, so now I I totally miss that that whole craze. It's, it's definitely
1: sad. a nineties thing.
0: I think it was after because I was a 90s kid. Okay. I never watched Spongebob. Hey, you had the pleasure of missing Barney. So. No, I had Barney. <laughs> oh, you had Barney? I had Barney. Hmm. I think Spongebob was like early 2000s. 2000s? Yeah.
1: Maybe that's right.
0: Yeah. It's kind of a bummer. I always, yeah, it's one of those things I kind of regret. <laughs> um. <laughs> all right, so for the love of Jane. Um. And so where, like, where do you get, do people call you if they have... <laughs> like, you're not still just like finding these kittens everywhere.
1: Calls, right? emails, yeah. social media, everyone is cats that need help. And yeah. we're all foster based, which I love because we can give them a more in home experience, get to know them better. Yeah. We operate differently than a shelter as far as what we can take in, though. So we only take in what we have space for, which is yeah. great because you're decreasing disease transmission, you're increasing the quality of life of these animals because we yeah. can meet their individual needs better. Um, but it's, you know, disheartening when I can't help them all. So we really yeah. rely on foster homes and people signing up to foster in order to take in more animals. And people come out of the woodwork everywhere. Even I was literally cleaning cat traps in my driveway, conveniently wearing a for the love of Jane shirt, and my neighbor stops her car and she goes, You do things with cats? <laughs> Gets out and starts having a conversation. Turns out she knows someone who needs to trap some feral cats. So she rented some from the rescue that day. Wow. So it's literally everywhere you go, it comes up. Um, You see them in neighborhoods a lot. People always know, oh, yeah, I feed this stray cat. Um, It's just something where dogs fundamentally have always had a resource because there's always been dog catchers because of that side-by-side you know, the issue of rabies and people yeah. owning dogs. And there was always some sort of contract with the city to keep dogs off the streets. Whereas with cats, that's not a thing. Um, people are shocked when I say there's no laws regulating where cats are at any point in time. Whereas if there's a dog, it should be collected by the county humane society yeah, or about pet like control. That. Yeah. And it's hard because there's so many. So yeah. what do you do? And I just kind of fell into that role of the crazy cat lady.
0: Um, but Is your reproduction like just like crazy? Are they like, yes. Okay.
1: <laughs> Prolific. Okay. They will have babies before their babies are weaned. They will get pregnant again and okay. just start having babies. So, um, it's well, they're
2: a, they're induced ovulators, yeah, right? They so, can just have babies yeah. whenever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did not know that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> like really ra- like
2: rabbits, cats, and rabbits. Mm-hmm.
0: Like they don't need.
1: They don't have a cycle as far as you know, like dogs or humans when there's a specific window of when to get pregnant. It's more so like, "Mm, I just feel like it today.
0: Okay. (laughs) Dang.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, so I can see why this is a problem. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But it's really neat to be a vet in the rescue world and be able to develop my own protocols and figure out what works well. And then now that I'm working at Lifetime, we have plans to you know, continue having rescue cats come there and potentially new clients come there with their rescue cats and do rescue surgeries there. Yeah. So it's all very integrated and nice and works well together to yeah, be a vet like a and run a rescue.
0: Perfect, like, harmonious relationship yeah. there, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, what are your thoughts on, like, indoor-outdoor cats? I'm just curious.
1: I think that... <laughs> Being outside is a great form of enrichment.
0: Yeah. But supervised.
1: Okay. <laughs> um, my cats love to go hiking. They go yeah. in backpacks and it's easy to throw your cat in a backpack and have your dogs and we all go hiking together. Yeah. I also have a catio because they oh. love spending time on their cat patio. Yeah. Um, but I just worry about, you know, we don't let our dogs run around unsupervised. There's a right. lot of risks, you know, getting yeah. hit by a car. My reasons. own cat was attacked by a dog outside. He yeah. was on our front porch and got attacked by a dog. Yeah, There's a lot of risks out there, just like you wouldn't let your dog go run around everywhere without you at least being nearby. You can do things with your cats that are just as easy to do as a dog with training right. them how to walk on a leash and a harness, putting yeah. them in a stroller or a backpack. And it's super beneficial for their mental stimulation and behavioral needs. That's
0: kind of why I'm asking. Because, you know, when you think about cats and their evolution and everything, it's like, man, to be, like, trapped inside, like, Mm -hmm. an apartment or house. Like, I know they do okay, but I feel like they would need some kind of – some kind of mental stimulation Yeah, if they're not getting outside,
1: I guess. People put the idea of a cat in a box and they don't ever let it come out of that box. And cats are antisocial. Cats don't like to go outside. You know, they're indoor only. They only eat their dry food. They don't need anything else. Right. And you have to think of cats in a different way because there's so much more than that. That's what I tell my adopters. Like, don't think about things differently. Forget what you know about cats and let's have a new conversation about what you can teach them, what you can do with them. Yeah. They're just as versatile as dogs if you provide that socialization just like you do with puppies. Yeah. And they require the same types of things that dogs do. They're still completely different from dogs in yeah. most regards, don't get me wrong, but people have to stop limiting them to what they can do.
0: Right. Yeah, they're really cool animals, mm-hmm. and I want one. I don't know how my dogs would react to it. I know juniper is okay with cats i'm not really worried about foxy because she's smaller (laughs) than most cats it's mozzie i'm worried about
1: yeah my dog i have a really high drive german shepherd husky cattle dog mix whoa and she loves cats really we'll definitely eat squirrels and rabbits but i do primarily neonatal care with the rescue too so we raise bottle babies and orphans So I always have babies with yeah, me yeah, and yeah. she is the most gentle soul with them. That's and crazy. any other time she's like, what are we doing today? Let's yeah. get crazy. But yeah. you give her a baby and she just will lay down on the floor with them and snuggle them. That's
0: crazy. Yeah. It's like a maternal <laughs> instinct. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Um, So if people want to, okay, so we they can find you. There's a website.
1: Yeah. So we okay. have a website um, for the love of We have a Facebook, Instagram. Um, We've recently had a whole overhaul of our organization where a lot of my administrative positions were filled by vet students who have now gone on to bigger and better things and moved across the country and are doing amazing things. So um, it's still just me as the... Founder and president, but I'm adding in new administrative roles, getting new ideas. So we're really trying to build a good foundation and grow from here. Okay. I really want to stick with the foster based um, into doing integrative care and counseling adopters on what are good diets for their pets and yeah. how to best take care of their cat and yeah. how to have a long, happy relationship with your animals. Um, and hopefully, continuing those things to.
0: Have you ever keep heard of uh, Doc and Phoebe's? Mm hmm. Have you ever used them?
1: mm
0: Me neither. <laughs> no. But I'm curious. I've seen it. <laughs> yeah. I'm just intrigued by it. It's like a, it's a, it's a cat feeder and it's like a mouse and you stuff food. Yeah. there, And then you like hide it around the house. So it like stimulates yeah. their, their hunting and their, their prey drive. And
1: I've never been able to use it because what's it called? my animals are crazy. It's called food Doc driven. and
0: Phoebe's <laughs> Phoebe, P-H-O-E-B-E, mm-hmm. I think, um,
1: but yeah. yeah, and that's a big change both with my clients and with my adopters. they Don't just feed your cats out of a bowl. You know, cats deserve yeah. the same things that we think about our dogs with puzzle feeders or yeah. different types of enrichment. I switched all my cats to lick mats to feed all yeah. of their meals, whether it's you know raw items or snacks or wet food you know regardless of what they're eating that day it's always on a lick mat yeah um i tried the puzzle feeders my cats are not that bright um you have the little (laughs) tube right that you're supposed to stick your paw into and my one cat just mashes her face into it or
0: maybe they're just too smart (laughs) i don't want i don't want to keep doing this (laughs) it was precious so i've discovered
1: lick mats work better but varying their routine and like those mouse feeders, you yeah. know, doing that so they have to go seek out their food rather than here's your bowl, eat. Yeah. It's probably going to mush your whiskers anyway, yeah. you know, like Yeah. There's so much more we can do for our cats. Yeah,
0: that's why I want that's why I want a cat. Because mm-hmm. they're so To me they're like so primal. Mm-hmm. like people don't look at them like that i'm the I'm the weird one that looks at them like just killing machines on four legs like if they were bigger i feel <laughs> they like they would are. Us, You know
1: the statistics that they give about like how high they can jump compared to their body size oh, yeah. or how much I, force they can put out compared to they their just body like size jump on top crazy. of the refrigerator from the ground i'm like yes. what is going on they <laughs> they're extreme freaks. athletes they're yeah. not just your lazy couch potatoes no where you know you see them and they're Literal potatoes. They don't have a waist anymore. Yeah. Cats are athletes. They're very active. They want to be engaged with you and do things with you.
2: Yeah. We had a we had a cat that came to us, and uh, he was actually one of the purina cat bag cats. Okay. (laughs) Dang. And um, trader. His skin. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, his his owner switched him over to raw. Oh. Yeah. Switched him over to raw, and he was in raw. I like (laughs) that story. (laughs) And he. Excuse me. He um he ended up getting a tumor mm-hmm. in his leg so he ended up getting an amputation yeah and somehow with a rear leg amputation so one rear leg he would still get up on
0: top of the refrigerator it's amazing yeah now was he vaccinated where do you vaccinate a cat you in the leg right
2: yeah it well they're, they're different sites but the the rabies goes on the back right.
0: Is it true they do so, that because like they can't not Because in case you need to amputate? Mm-hmm.
1: They say try to go as far down on the leg as
0: possible. Yep. Because what happens? Tumors and stuff?
2: Yeah, they were getting uh fibrosarcomas, tumor tumor or uh, vaccine associated fibrosarcomas. Mm-hmm. So what's what or soft tissue sarcomas,
0: if you want to. Is it like different adjuvants in a vaccine <laughs> that are causing that or?
2: Yeah, it caused a it, it created a whole change in the vaccines. That's why the, the new the newer rabies vaccines are uh are actually modified live, where all the others are killed. This one's a modified live that's been.
0: Oh, so they don't need like an adjuvant to like stimulate the immune system. Yeah,
2: there's there's little to no adjuvant mm-hmm. in oh, okay. in that newer one, but it's because it's 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 attached. They took the part of the virus, uh, the rabies virus, and attached it to a canary pox virus. Mm-hmm. So when that's injected, it 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 is able to still. Uh, yeah, pr- produce a, a longer-lasting without yeah without the, the adjuvants.
0: Oh, that's that's pretty neat. So, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I wonder why they haven't done that with some of the human vaccines yet. I don't know. Seems like a good idea. <laughs> I don't know. Apparently, mRNA is uh, yeah, yeah,
2: <laughs> more, um, more, more, more. Uh,
0: I don't know. We won't go there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, cool. Is there anything else uh, we miss?
1: I don't Rescue? think so.
0: So, okay, so you have uh website, Instagram, Facebook. Yeah, we do events around the community.
1: Oh. So you might see us at, you know, the Pet Dublin Pet Fair. We go there. Oh, nice. Different okay. events at Hollywood Feed Stores, yeah. stores, adoption events. We'll yeah. do those in different areas too.
0: You can use our shop too.
1: Oh, <gasps> would love that.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, we used to do a bunch of those. And then I think COVID hit, and then all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they're just while, so. now
1: getting back into it, and it's. Yeah. I really like that face to face with the community rather than just oh, yeah. a message on my email, and it's yeah. really nice to talk to people and get socialization. So yeah, there's always cats I can bring.
0: Yeah, and that's great. And I think <laughs> uh, I think cat people never feel like represented enough, so I think it's it's good to have that kind of representation yeah. there.
1: And it's yeah. funny, I'll take in any animal, but primarily it's still just cats.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. How many how many how many adopters or uh what do you call them fosters do you have?
1: We usually range between 15 to 20 active fosters at okay. any time. Right now it's been a really down tick in people wanting to foster, but a lot of people are on vacations, you know, yeah, away from school. Yeah. So maybe like 10 to 15 right now, so yeah.
0: What's required of that?
1: Really not much. I yeah. mean, obviously you need to have the desire to Help homeless animals. Mm -hmm. If you have animals in the home, we ask that they're up to date on preventative wellness care. So Mm -hmm. they should have an established relationship with the vet, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, being examined, tested for anything infectious and getting vaccinated. So they're protected just because we have all the crusty kittens that bring in diseases. Um, So making sure that everyone's healthy and we do make sure that you, you know, have the availability to be around. But I, always, yeah. <laughs> I was a vet student. I'm a vet. I yeah. somehow managed to still foster. I may not be there every second of the day, but it's so much more than the, what they would be getting outside. Yeah. So really, it's just offering your home, your time, um, your expertise and learning capabilities to learn about what these animals need and how to help. And really, yeah. anyone can foster. And a lot of people are surprised by how easy it is to factor into their daily life even if they have kids pets anything that all makes for a well socialized adoptable animal in the end yeah
0: Yeah, i'm worried about i think we'd be foster fails (laughs)
1: a lot of people are but you know what i have a couple and they're some of my favorite pets it's really cool to be there from the beginning to when they're adoptable and find that you have a really special connection with them yeah but i'll always keep people honest i said if you want me to be your your rock i will tell you not to adopt because they get addicted once you see that first person come and adopt the pet that you love so much and watch them love them the same or even more than you do Mm -hmm. it's that really great burst of joy and and Appreciation for that process and yeah. seeing how big of a difference animals are in people's lives.
0: Yeah, my my well, there isn't. I'm interested, but also I'm asking because my kids want a cat. My <laughs> two older kids want a cat because three dogs, yeah. you know, 15 chickens, and 6,000 bees enough. aren't enough. So <laughs> they want a cat now. And there's a cat that when I take them to this one park, this cat mom cat always comes out. Mm-hmm. She's super sweet. She's got kind of big, like round head. And there's some abandoned buildings that they're actually gonna turn into the park but um she always just comes out and she's so sweet and she's you know rubbing on them and stuff and she has one kitten that always peeks his head around he's <laughs> super shy he was like he's always in the background just like yeah. peeking his head around like I'm, I'm wondering one day he'll probably not be shy he's mm-hmm. like seen enough because it's always like friendly people at that park and they're always petting the mom. like she gets so much attention it's like, a, how, how long can you be shy for? Like you dig, like you've seen all the, your mom's being showered with love, yes. you know? But um, yeah, I think it's just that one kitten that she has. But anyways, we'll probably end up with a cat. I'll probably end up contacting you for So
1: I can definitely help you. foster one. And then <laughs> My son, my son you. has two. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, it'd be an interesting place for a cat mm-hmm. in our house. Yeah. But I think they do well. So, well, awesome. Well, thank you guys for coming down. Appreciate it. Good talking to both of you.
3: So if you have a question that you want us to answer on our next podcast, you can find us a few different ways. You can send an email to danielle at fangsfur.com. You can find us on our website, fangsfur.com, or you can direct message us on Instagram at fangsandfurpet.